It's March 21st, 2008, and this is The Candid Frame. of the candid frame it's good to have you back and it's good to be back it's been a while since i recorded a show i was having a whole host of technical problems which were getting becoming increasingly frustrated and because of a bout with that nasty flu that was going around i really just fell behind on a lot of stuff including being able to put together the show but i think i finally uh taken care of all the technical issues that i was having and uh, I think I'm going to be right back on the horse producing this show on a bi-weekly basis with some of the world's greatest photographers. And uh, today is no exception. But before we get on to our interview with uh, Aaron Manning, I wanted to just thank you guys for being really supportive for the show and sticking around um, despite all the, the technical gaps that I've been having and the long delays between episodes. It really means a lot to me that uh, I still have been getting comments um, about previous episodes that people are really enjoying and appreciating what I've been doing here for the last two years. And uh, that, that really means so much to me. I really can't thank you enough for, for sticking around and sending me the notes and posting messages on the iTunes store or, or on the blog or just sending me an email. Um, don't make any money from this, and I just do it for the pure joy that I derive from having the opportunity to talk to photographers who whose work I really enjoy. But to, to sort of cap it all off, the sort of cherry on top is the fact that something that I've been doing largely for myself has been such so appreciated by people in everywhere from I get emails from people in South America from Saudi Arabia from Australia New Zealand Europe I mean everywhere and uh, it, it just never ceases to amaze me that uh, something that I that I do um, in my small little office can mean so much to, to so many people and such a diversity of people so thank you so much and one one thing I'd like to ask you of you is just to just to spread the word on the show. I'm not spending any any money advertising the show in print or anything like that. And the show has largely grown as a result of you sharing your love of the show with others. So if you haven't already, post messages on your blogs, um, share at your camera clubs or where you're studying photography, or just email you know just two or three people and let them know about the show and why you think it's it's it plays such an important role in your photographic life. Um, that's going to help the show grow. That's going to help more people find out not only about what I'm doing here, but to discover some of the great photographers that are out there and to discover work and, and photographers that they otherwise probably would never have a chance to discover if it wasn't as a result of, you know, what I'm doing in this show. And and one of the one of the best things about it is the fact that I'm helping other photographers discover other photographers and that we have an opportunity to be inspired and encouraged by their work and by what they share on the show. So please do your part and uh I'll do mine. 
Well, today's guest is Aaron Manning, and Aaron Manning is the host of The Whole Picture, and it's a television show about photography that you'll find on the DIY network as well as the HDTV network. And I found it as a result of uh, a couple of years ago investing in a digital uh, television recorder, sort of like a, a TiVo, but not a TiVo. And there I'm able to punch in keywords like photography or camera or photographer. And all the shows that have those sort of keywords associated get recorded and I get to watch them. And her show was one of them. And I really liked her approach to teaching photography. It's a very personal, intimate style that isn't so much fixated on just doing all the technical stuff, though that's also covered on the show. But I think if you'll take a look at the show, regardless of your experience level, you'll find yourself really learning a lot and just sort of getting reconnected with what makes photography so much fun. And uh, I really had a great time interviewing her. I had a chance to, I recognized her when I was at PMA and I approached her and I told her how much I enjoyed her show and, and asked her if she'd come on mine. And she was really personable and very agreeable to it. And I think you'll find that the personality that comes across on her television show is really reflective of the person that she is. And it really comes across in the interview. And I really had a just a wonderful time talking to her. And I think you're going to have a great time listening to our interview with Erin Manning. Well, Erin... Welcome to the Candid Frame. It's it's great to have you. You're my first guest uh, after a while, and I'm I'm really glad that it's you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Well, uh, like I told uh, people during the introduction, I discovered you by watching you on on DIY and watching uh, your show, The Whole Picture. And one of the things that I really liked about your show and 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 about the way you teach photography is that. Not only do you do it from a sort of a non-technical basis, but you're beginning from the whole process of of people taking pictures because they have a joy about making photographs. And, and that's something that I think that really comes across uh, with you on the show, that you really have a joy and a passion for it and that you well, love sharing you. that. So I do. Tell me how that began for you, because I know you, you started shooting at a really young age Um what was it about it that that about making pictures and picking up the camera that that was so magical for you? You know, I have to say, um, I was enthralled with my family's photo box. It was a, high on top of the shelf, and it was one of those things we weren't really supposed to get into. But when I did, it just uncovered this this whole world of people people that were special to me in some way but I didn't know and I wanted to know more about them and I really studied I studied that that's really what inspired me initially was then to start trying to document my family so I received a little Instamatic camera for Christmas one year I think I was like seven and started taking photos of my family trying to kind of document really was what inspired me and then once I got into taking photographs I realized there were so many things you could do to be creative within that image having to do with color or line or um, composition co interesting compositional ways to put the, the picture together and I really you know this was all when I was in grade school and junior high and there was no photography program where I went to school and really I lived in a small town in Iowa and there were no photo classes that I knew of so I just kind of was winging it and I just took pictures because I loved it and then as time went on and I moved on to high school and college there were classes I could take and um, things I could do to get more involved in photography and I just love to share that with other people and I you know I think 
all of us as we learn things along the way, um, you want to be able to share those those things with other people. And I feel gratified when I see someone learn something about photography when a little light bulb goes on, and then they can do it too. You mentioned in your in your bio that the Family of Man um, book and, and the exhibition really oh yeah had an impact on you what was it about that collection of 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 photographs that moved you so well that's a great question um i well first off i I love books and so does my family and they have like probably thousands and thousands of books all over the place and i you know i kind of go through the bookshelf and pull things out but that book in particular really popped out to me because of the emotion i would see on these people's faces within the book and the life that was happening on those pages and the moments that those pictures would capture that you could, I mean, it, it was just, it, to me, it was magical. And it was, it was capturing and documenting this little teeny weeny moment in time that you could go back and, and look at and re-experience over and over again. But it, it was the people in those images that really, really struck me. Yeah. There's, I think the, the a lot of those pictures um, were kind of, went against what most people um, viewed people for photographs being, you know, because there was sort of a formality um, to a lot of the images that people were used to seeing, particularly on gallery walls, you know. Mm-hmm. There was always a much more formal um, a formal sort of aesthetic to, to portraits, and people were seeing not only images of people within their own countries, but people all over the world just just being people. And I think that's why that exhibition sort of resonated with so many with so many people, and the book years later. Yeah, you know, you make a really good point, because we can look at that now, and it doesn't seem like that big a deal, right? Because it's mm-hmm. much more global environment, and we see all kinds of imagery now, but um, back then, when that exhibition came out, and when the book was out, say, the first 10 years, I think, um, yeah, it really did strike a lot of people as being something unusual, and it was different from you know, the basic posed family Sears photographs that they would, you know, go get. And they were seeing people, other than looking at, say, a National Geographic um, book, they were able to see people, the differences, but also how much we're all so alike. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things I like about your pictures. You know, none of your pictures seem posed or formal. It, it, it's It's... I see your, your your images as you just hanging out with these people, and you just so happen to be making photographs of them. <laughs> you know, and you're exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what happens. We do just hang out. It's a relationship, you know. Whenever, whenever I take photographs of people, um, whether it's you know for half an hour or three hours or all day or, or for a week, you have a relationship with that person because you're you're communicating with that person. And um, at least I am. <laughs> I don't know. I've been shot by some photographers in the past that didn't talk to me at all. Mm-hmm. But um, I prefer to have a communication going on um, and to bring out that person's personality. They need to feel they need to feel comfortable. And to do that, you really just you just have to kind of hang out. And um, even in situations where I've shot people in a studio and it's kind of a, it has to be a real fast thing, you can still create an environment of ease, um, you know, just by, by making them feel 
special in an authentic way, asking them questions, finding out more about who they are. And, um, you know, they kind of loosen up and you can laugh. And I really, I take a lot of pictures. That's the beauty of digital now. I took a lot of pictures with film too, but it just costs a lot more. Um, but I'm able to take the pictures in between the pictures, if you know what I mean. Like sometimes people, they'll have a look on or they'll be kind of in, they'll give you their best side or whatever, which is all fine. You might get some good photos out of that. But the real images I go after are those moments in between after they pose and maybe they moved around a little bit or they're laughing with you. And that's that real moment I try and capture. That's a great point. Those in-between moments, those oftentimes are the most magical moments. But what do you think a photographer needs to be doing or, or what kind of point do they have to get to so that they are not only aware of those in-between moments but are ready to capture them? Because I think it's one of the challenges most photographers have. What, what do you think they need to be able to develop in themselves to be able to, to capture those? Um, well, two things. First off, you, you're right. You have to be able to capture, capture it technically. So you better be ready with your camera. Get to know the, the mode dial on your camera. Get to know the menu. Understand just little ways you can control your camera to make sure that you're capturing that shot. Like um, a lot of even point-and-shoot cameras have these little creative zones or mode zones. You can turn um, your mode dial to or go through the menu and find, say, if you wanted to, sh to shoot, kids running you know you go to the sport setting just know where those settings are and learn more about your camera so that when a situation arises you're ready with it for instance I always leave my camera set to continuous mode so that way if I keep pressing the shutter button down it goes and captures all those little moments in between the moments and you can even you know show your pictures and say um, a wonderful succession of movements, or just make sure you capture just the right moment in between all of those. So be technically ready. And secondly, you really have to get out of yourself. You really need to observe what's going on and be sensitive to what's happening with that person in front of the lens. And because it really is all about them right now. It's you connecting with them and capturing that personality so be observant of, of things going on and you know what they may not necessarily be in front of your lens maybe it's not one of those kind of posed or set up portrait shoots maybe it's just something where you're hanging out in the living room or sitting at the dining room table you need to you need to kind of follow people around and pay attention that's basically it pay attention and, and care about other people a lot of people want to take great pictures of, of people, and we were speaking about this whole idea of, of being able to hang out with people and take their photographs and stuff. And it seems to, what really, really, this really speaks to is the ability to to have a rapport with someone. And for some people, that's that's a challenge, and they look at photographs like yours or, or some other people, and they think, wow, these people must just have an innate talent for being able to just interact with people. And I can't, I can't do that. But what do you think? Do you think it's something that you either have to be innately born with, or do you think that's something that you can develop uh, as a, as a skill? I think both. Um, there are some people that just innately, you know, socially find things very easy, and then there are other people that are more introverted and shy. I 
actually was very shy as a kid. And I had to really work on um, my ability to kind of come out of myself and really try and openly connect with other people. So if you are really shy and feel like, um, you know, maybe it comes out of feeling maybe a little insecure, not so confident in that situation, you're just going to have to pick up a couple little tricks and work on it from the outside in, you know? Um, and it's not that you have to be some circus barker or, um, you know, a super extrovert. You just have to find little ways to connect with people. We all have our own personality and our own style. That's what's so wonder- wonderful about all these different photographers that have different looks to their photographs, and it's all in how they interact Maybe um, you might end up taking pictures of a lot of people and finding that your style is something where, you know, you you cause a little look on that person's face and that's what you capture. And maybe it isn't the big smile, hanging out sort of look. Maybe it's a different kind of look. Mm-hmm. I think your personality can also um, affect your style of photograph. And then if all else fails, you can always go shoot landscapes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, landscapes are great to shoot, um, but they're, you know, you, you kind of have to experiment and see what works best for you. And uh, I do, I, I have friends that are photographers and they really pre- prefer to shoot still life or something like that because they like to have more control and take their time and don't want to worry about having to capture a moment. And that's their deal. And that's great. Mm-hmm. And then there are other people that really prefer to shoot people. Um, so there's just, there's just little techniques you can pick up when you're working with someone. So tell me about one of the tricks you have, because oftentimes you, I'm sure you face situations where you're photographing someone who really isn't comfortable in front of the camera. They, they, they're used to having a person take maybe one picture of them, but not a hundred. Mm-hmm. So what, <laughs> when you're dealing with someone with that, that's, that's always a challenge for a photographer, but sure. what would be some of the tricks that you would use to help sort of loosen you know, loosen things up and, and to get those sort of spite, spontaneous, candid moments that you, you're talking right. about. Well, most people are like a deer in front of the headlight in front of a camera because they don't know how they look. They need some feedback from you. You need to tell them, hey, you know, that looks great, but maybe move over this way a little bit. So you need to kind of just start giving them some feedback from from where they're at. Like, you know, that looks really good over there. Be very positive. Um, don't come at them with, oh, God, that looks terrible. Don't do that. Don't say those things because it just makes them kind of go more inward and feel more awkward in front of the camera. So you need to be positive. And um, I always, when I'm working with uh, single people or groups, just kind of give an overall look to them and just start talking to them like, hey, you know, um, maybe John move over there and you know what I here's the, here's a trick you guys if you if you're smiling and your face feels frozen here's a little trick that I do and and I show them this trick and it's it's kind of goofy it's in my book actually it's called the puffer fish and people's faces do feel a little stiff when they start smiling a lot so if you show them um, this little technique where they blow their cheeks up um, like a puffer fish and then blow it out and relax it makes them feel a little bit better. Well, as I'm doing this in front of them, of course, I look like a total idiot. And so that just makes them feel a lot better. <laughs> you can show a little humility um, behind the camera and just start talking to people and give them some feedback. That always helps. Mm. It helps a lot. And they just start, they'll start talking to you. And you can start having a little conversation. 
one of the big challenges is shooting a group of people. You know, shooting one person seems to be challenging in and of itself, but you get three, four, five different people up there, particularly mm-hmm. a family with young kids, and all of a sudden you feel like the zoo has just been let out. You know? <laughs> and Absolutely. Oh, my gosh, I've shot groups of people with, with dogs and cats and kids can you imagine and somehow you know we we managed to make it work and um first off make sure you take a lot of pictures and then you tell them hey you're going to be standing here for a little while so we're going to be taking quite a few pictures so that they have the expectation level of understanding how long they're going to be standing there like five minutes ten minutes because oftentimes you know you'll get aunt edna and uncle joe and the whole group over in the corner or wherever they're standing under the tree and then it's like two pictures okay we're done you know they're telling you that you're done it's like oh no you need to take control and you can take control of the group in a nice way but you just need to give them some direction it's like okay everybody we're going to take some great family shots today it's going to take about you know, five to ten minutes, and I'd love for you all to stand over here. Aunt Edna, you look fabulous in this light. Uncle Joe, where did you get that shirt? That color's great on you. Mm. Okay, get over here. you got to keep talking to them. It's a lot more energy coming out of you to control this group, and inevitably there's always someone that's looking the other way or has closed their eyes or something. So um, you really need to, to look at all those faces in your frame and communicate with them, you know, Aunt Edna, um, stop, <laughs> stop looking down. Look at me. You know, if you want the whole group to be looking at you, because you want to. I think it's a good idea to start with those group shots where people are all feeling like they're sort of posed and you know looking at you, and you can kind of start off with those, and then you can move into people interacting with each other. And if all else fails, I always just say group hug. <laughs> <laughs> provided that they want to hug each other. And I'm assuming it's like a family or friends. If you're shooting, you know, a group of um, corporate colleagues, you may not want to say group hug. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but that's a different kind of photo. Um, but, yeah, you want to sort of start off with um, having them all sort of positioned, and then you can start moving into more something more fun and more natural and maybe then zoom in on a couple people here and there and get their reactions to each other. There might be a family joke that goes around, you know, people have a reaction to. Just, again, be ready technically to capture all those shots. And if you have to put your camera in continuous mode, do it and just take as many shots as you can. But you need to take control and talk to these people. Yeah. There's a, there's a sort of, it's, a, it's always a, a dance, a combination of, of, of psychology and a little bit of seduction involved. In, in being able to not only make a nice photograph, but being able to, to get people to be comfortable with you. Um, but it's, it always comes down to being able to sort of read people. And it's, and it's a challenge because oftentimes you're dealing with people, someone you don't really know, you know, yeah, usually very true. a stranger. So how, how important is that to you in terms of being able, particularly when you initially meet someone you don't know, in terms of being able to, sort of read with them and kind of decide what sort of take and angle because you can't do exactly what you do with every subject you know so how, how does no that you, you can't you, you can try <laughs> how do how do i how do i read a person and and detect how we're going to work together yeah, yeah um well i tried to start off with telling them how we're going to work together and then see how they react to that um, 
you really have to come in as a photographer and and give some structure to what's happening because a lot of people are feeling unsure about the situation and that's really where a lot of the insecurity lies so you need to come in and just provide like a really comfortable place for them to be it's almost like being a parent or something like okay you know this is what we're going to do today and and we're going to try this and we're going to try a little bit of that and how do you feel about about you know jumping off jumping off the the side of the um fence over here whatever just throw some things at them and just kind of get a feel for what it is they do and don't want to do um and also you want to find out, you know, what, what exactly, if you're doing a photograph for them and they've asked you to shoot them, what is it exactly they're looking for? And then I always try to kind of throw in some, some fun suggestions after that. Well, maybe we could try a little of this or maybe we could, um, you know, roll around in the sand. Or you kind of have to judge and see who it is you're shooting and how agile they are too. For instance, I just shot a family of seven on the beach um, last week. And the mother was 80 and had Parkinson's disease. One of the daughters was eight and a half months pregnant. Hmm. So I wasn't going to have people running down the beach, you know, like I might have, say, with the younger family. Um, but we had to come up with, with ways to make everyone comfortable. And um, I had to direct a lot of that. And then they would give me feedback, too, like, um, Mom's cold. Um, we need to put her in a huddle right now. <laughs> so there's there's always a communication going back and forth. And you can kind of, you just sort of have to feel it out. Sometimes you're not, you're not going to know exactly, like you said, what you're dealing with until you get into it. When you're working with commercial clients, you know, for either advertising or, or corporate work, how does the dynamic change, particularly when... The, the client has a particular look or a, an image in mind. How does that change the, the dynamic in terms of how you work, particularly if you're working with professional models? Well, if the client is hiring you specifically and they want you, they want you for a reason, and that's probably because of your particular style or the look of your photographs. So they want your input into all this typically, um, unless they just hire you as a rote machine, which that's happened too, and then you just have to follow the art director or client's direction entirely, but those shoots aren't that much fun. Um, you want and hope to be on a shoot where they're hiring you for your expertise and your aesthetic, and um, they may have certain setups. Say they'll give you a, um, an example, uh, either a written visual or, a, a draw, or rather a drawn visual or some kind of photograph to show you, hey, this is kind of what we're, tr we're trying to do. And um, a lot of times working on these, on these shoots can be easier with the people you're shooting if you have professional models because they're used to being shot. They're very um, comfortable in front of a camera. That's what they're paid to do. And, um, you know, they listen and they react. And most of the time you're going to be able to get what you need out of those models. So you just really have to follow the um, the guidance of what the ultimate shot needs to be. Um, I had shot, uh, for instance, um, some lifestyle images for a healthcare company, and they wanted everything from professional models to people that worked at a particular hospital to be involved in this photo shoot. So sometimes that can be kind of challenging if you have people that aren't professional models with professional models, and you really have to have a conversation with those people beforehand and direct them as to what needs to happen. 
So I, I mean, it can be fun. I, I like those kinds of photo shoots. It gives you it gives you some structure to work within, and um, typically are pro- professional people on the shoot. What's been one of the more challenging shoots that you had uh, recently? Well, actually, recently um, was probably the shoot I had last week. <laughs> I'd say that was the most challenging, but that was challenging. Um, trying to make sure that the 80-year-old mom um, was comfortable. And, um, you know, I didn't stress anybody out. And then I had all seven people kind of moving in the right direction. Um, I'd have to say probably my, my most difficult shoots overall have been with animals and kids combined because it's really hard unless you have an animal trainer or something like that um, to get everyone to sort of calm down enough so you can get a shot. Those can be pretty difficult. Um, You just take a lot of pictures and uh, hope that, um, you know, hope that you're able to kind of handle the whole thing. I always try to bring in, if I am shooting a lot of people, I bring in a couple of assistants. Um, with me along with my photo assistant to sort of help wrangle everyone. So um, I have to say probably the most difficult shoot was when I had animals, kids, and no assistants. Oh. <laughs> that was a circus, but the picture turned out great. So that was that was all that really mattered. Well, you're doing a whole lot of things. You're like me. You're, you've got the television show. You're, you're writing books. Um, yep. How is how has all this stuff changed your your photographic business? Because I think, you know, it used to be that, you know, if you wanted to be a successful photographer, all you did was have a studio and you had people come over and do portraits. And I think that whole, the whole industry is changing, not just because of digital, but the kind of pictures people are expecting. They're, mm-hmm. they're expecting a lot more candid stuff. I think uh, there's less of an emphasis in having a, a studio and more about going out there and you know producing photographs. But a photographer now is expected to sort of teach and write books and you know do all these things. So how has that whole dynamic sort of changed your business over the last five or ten years? Well, I'm much busier, I have to say, much busier, but I'm also happier because I enjoy doing multiple things. I, I kind of get bored always doing the same thing. So I think that being able to do the television show and write books and articles really has enhanced um, my photographs. I look at things from different perspectives. Um, I, I'm always learning, always learning. You can't ever stop learning. Um, and oftentimes from writing books, um, you know, I'll be talking about something I know about, but maybe there's a little part that I don't really know that much about, and I'll do a little research on it. And then when you teach something, you really have to know it. And um, it's just, it's really, I think it's um, been very fulfilling to be able to do all those different things. And really before I um, got into photography as my full-time business, I was doing multiple things. People would always look at me and say, oh, my gosh, what exactly do you do? Because I had, like, four jobs, partially because I was, um, um, you know, it was survival tactics, but it was also, I had a lot of different interests. Um, I enjoy doing all the things that I do now, and I'm just so thankful that um, timing and everything sort of uh, evolved to this point of synchronicity to where everything I love to do is happening right now. Mm-hmm. It has to do with technology and communicating and creating. 
for those people who are not aware of the show, why don't you tell us about what what the idea behind the show was and how it, how it came about? Well, the whole picture, which now airs on the DIY Network, and, you know, I'm going to announce with you because I haven't told anyone yet. We just won two Telly Awards oh, for 2008. Woohoo! Um, the whole picture started in 2005, and it uh, was based upon the premise of showing um, the beginner and photo enthusiast ways to uh, create better photographs and to kind of carry it through from beginning to end. So, for instance, on each show, I have a student, and they have a problem. Maybe they have a picture of, of their dog, Sparky, and they can never quite seem to get a great photograph of Sparky. And so they'll bring the bad photograph, and I'll take a look at it, review it, and give them some input on what they did right, what they did wrong, and then explain what we're going to do out in the field or wherever we're going to take the new shot and they'll learn all sorts of new techniques to take this shot again, but make it a lot better. And then we come back to the studio and work with it on the computer, usually in Photoshop Elements on the show, and then print it out so everyone can see the before and after at the end of the show. So by having the students with me um, on the show, I feel people can really connect with that student and feel as if they're there, feel more involved, as opposed to my just talking to the camera, giving examples. And that's really how it was all born. The DIY network um, was actually casting for this, and they were casting for it in 2005, and it was, uh, it was a nationwide casting, and they couldn't find anyone that um, had experience in front of the TV, which I did. I'd already um, produced and hosted a, a show called Gadget Gal. I'm kind of into technology. And um, I had done commercials and things like that in the past. So I had television and in front of the camera experience, but I also had behind the camera experience as a photographer and a graphic designer. Um, so I knew about computers and, and technology and the camera and being in front of the camera. So to them, that was a really uh, unusual combination. And um, I have, happened to have a, a demo reel, which I sent to them, and they said, ah, you know, it's kind of it's a little all over the place. We're not sure about you. And um, they wanted to see more kind of me teaching, and I really didn't have anything like that on my demo reel at the time. So um, with uh, my boyfriend that weekend, we put together a – kind of like a biography documentary of who I am, what I do, and how I, how I take photographs. And it's a little three-minute, four-minute blip. And basically, we, we sent it to them online. And uh, by Tuesday, I was flying to Knoxville, Tennessee to, to do my screen test. Oh. And there you have it. That's it was pretty great. exciting. That's a lot and, of fun. Um, yeah, and I, I love doing the show, and, and really it gave me um, a lot more visibility out there in the world, and I was able to build upon that to build my, my brand as far as being a photographer and a teacher. And how has that changed in terms of the people that come to you to hire you as a photographer? How has the, the show and, and the book and, and your presence out there in, in, in terms of the media um, changed, if at all, your your you know your work as a photographer? Well, I'd have to say um, some parts have changed in that uh, in the last book that I published um, 
or Wiley published for me, I wrote, uh, Portrait and Canada Photography. Um, that's very people-oriented. So I'm, I'm getting a lot more um, calls to photograph people, although I have to say I really did in the past also because I love to shoot pictures of people and I was known for shooting lifestyle imagery. Um, I did for a few months put some of my shooting on hold as I was writing the book. So I kind of go in little pockets now where I'm, I do one thing for a couple months and then um, come off of that and then maybe do more teaching and come off of that and maybe do more actual photographing. So how has it changed as far as what the work I do overall um, as far as photographs? Probably not a whole lot, but I think the um, kind of uh, rhythm of how often I will photograph has changed. So it seems to be more concentrated now, and then I'll go for points in time where I don't photograph at all and I'm busy writing. I was having a conversation with someone yesterday, and we were talking about um, the fact that at a lot of um, university programs now for photography, that well, 50% or more of the students coming in are women. And uh, we were talking about, I've been in, in this game for, for a long time, more than I care to admit sometimes. But um, one of the interesting things is, is how that, the interest of photography particularly by women, has sort of changed, has changed mm. the way that photography is taught. I think traditionally it was very left brain where the whole idea was, okay, you have to learn all this technical stuff first before you can be creative. And I'm finding that a lot of, of the people, particularly a lot of the women that are coming to photography now, are more interested in making making the photographs because they want to take either pictures of family or their friends or, or, mm -hmm. or they want to be creative and all of a sudden it's coming from the point of view like I want to be able to make this kind of picture and what technical stuff do I need to learn to be able to do it and there seems to be a more of an emphasis on the creative side uh, on it first and that the lack of technical knowledge isn't seen as prohibitive you know in terms of make, uh, making the images it's more like okay just tell me just enough so I can learn how to make this. And it doesn't seem like, okay, I have to learn all this technical stuff first before I can right. go out and be creative. So right. I'm and curious to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, the, the technical part can be kind of daunting for some people. And traditionally, um, to generalize, there are a lot of women that aren't that comfortable with the technical aspect of things. However, um, there are quite a few women that are. So um, I think with the advent of, of technology really being democratized now and that everyone has a digital camera pretty much and most people have a computer and a lot of um, especially younger women, you know, may have been born with a mouse in their hand. You know, it's like a lot of the, the younger women now coming up, um, you know, they were raised with technology also. So it's, it's not so separate anymore in that regard. Um, there are a lot of people in general, men and especially a lot of women, that come at things with a little bit more creative bent. Perhaps they're, they have more of an aesthetic or they, they're more project-oriented. Hmm. Um, and that's interesting, too, because at PMA, which is the Photo Marketing Association trade show that, um, that we met at, um, a couple of years ago had a display called the complete picture, which is funny. You know, my show was called the whole picture and this, this display at the show was called the complete picture. And it was, um, 
marketing that was done that was recognizing just what you were saying that there are a lot of women coming into photography a lot of women are actually driving the camera sales right now especially in the compact camera area but also now moving into the you know beginning DSLRs and they're recognizing them as a, as a huge force and telling all these retailers that are coming to the PMA show, you need to think differently about merchandising your store because women think differently than men. And um, we want to go into a store and see things maybe all in one area that are very project-oriented. If I want to put on a birthday party for a seven-year-old, I don't want to go into the store and on the left side of the store find the paper and go all the way in the back and find the ink and then go over here and look at the printer and it's just like, it's just too separate and linear. I prefer to go into one little area and see everything I need to get the project done. And now that um, there's a lot of automatic button pressing, a lot of people that are getting into photography may not want to be photographers ultimately they just want to take better photographs of their family or whatever it is that they're doing on their travels and feel more gratified about capturing something and feeling creative whether it's their vocation or avocation but i think um with the huge surge of women now really entering into this market perhaps as you say because the technology is um, not as daunting. You don't have to know all the bells and whistles to begin with. Mm -hmm. It does help, however. Um, but you don't have to know that to really be able to start taking photographs that are compelling and gratifying to you. Yeah. So um, overall, I think it's a really exciting time in general for um, women and men in photography. And it's just a different way of looking at things. And I think now the technology is there really to help us it's a tool is really all it is it's 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 not the end all it's just a tool to really help express express what you want to say in your photograph yeah. you, you were talking earlier about developing your brand and i think the one of the big parts of of of, of a photo, photographic career outside of just being able to make great pictures is this whole idea of being able to market yourself and sell yourself and to sort of distinguish yourself amongst all the thousands of photographers that are out there. Um, I think part of the old school way of thinking uh, was the fact that, you know, you advertise, you, you send out your promo card to advertising and commercial clients, and that's all changing, you know, and especially with the presence of the yeah. internet and multimedia. And I know that a large part of what you've been doing recently is establishing your brand and marketing yourself what so why don't you speak to uh, about about that what that process is for you and how it's been changing over the years well it's a really interesting and exciting process for me I really enjoy the marketing and, and PR aspect of my job fortunately because that is a big part of being a successful photographer and um, I think with all photographers the first thing you need to understand and recognize is, you know, what is your signature style? What is it that says something about you? If there were photographs that you put next to someone else's, would people be able to um, recognize that they were your photographs? So you, need to, you need to know and do some introspective work, and also it may take some time to understand, you know, what are the photographs and what, what are my, what's my style that I want to convey? And with that, you can start to develop the look and aesthetic of your brand. When I developed my, the look and, and 
feel of my website about three and a half years ago. It all sort of altered, and that was really because of the television show. I had a website up, and, you know, I knew I, I had used certain colors on my website, and I designed it in Flash, and, you know, it was uh, it was okay, but it wasn't really that strong because I hadn't really sat down to think about how do I truly want to convey what it is I do. So that is all part of the look and the aesthetic. If you can design stuff great, otherwise hire a good graphic designer. It is so worth the money. And sit down and um, show him or her tear sheets from a magazine or websites that you like and kind of hone things down to what your look is going to be. And once you get that look, it's going to be everywhere because it needs to be consistent and people are going to start identifying you with either that picture that you use or that particular icon and and or your name if your name is in fact kind of in designed fonts um, so that's really important I have once um, and I did work with another graphic designer to really fine-tune this once I came up with my colors and the look and how it was going to be I put that on the website, my business card, I created stationery, it's on everything. It's at the end of my um, email signature. So people really start to recognize who you are. And um, it's been stated in so many marketing handbooks, you need to advertise your, your business many different ways. And now there's so many other ways available other than just the postcard. Um, I just went to a photo seminar at APA, uh, Advertising Photographers of America, and it was how to survive um, in the photography business today. And it was interesting because they talked about, yes, you still should send out your little promo cards, you know, every two months or every month if you can afford it. But you really need to come at your clients from many different directions. And, um, and I agree with them on this. And I've been very successful with sending out HTML email blasts about once a month, updating my contacts on what's going on. And that always keeps me in front of them. It makes it easy for them to remember me and say, and, and feel like they're connected with me. It's funny, I've, I've been to um, a couple different trade shows lately, and I've seen people that I only see once a year at these trade shows, and they comment how much they like seeing my monthly emails, whether I have a video in there or, hey, I was on the Today Show or whatever it is, or I'll be sending out another one this week. Hey, we won Tele Awards for the show. Just um, to kind of keep people up to date as to what's going on with me. And um, I also have a newsletter, and I think that's an important thing too, if you, especially as a photographer, to stay in contact with your clients and also try and bring in new clients and always be looking for possibilities. The whole social networking um, that's going on right now is really important. LinkedIn, Plaxo, Pulse, Facebook. I know, I know it takes so much time to work with all these things, but it's important to put your brand out there. You can have your brand designed and put it on your website and your business cards, but that's not where it ends. You have to constantly be thinking about ways to uh, make yourself more visible. And I do that by uh, because I have the book and I'm teaching and doing some how-to. I try and pitch myself to um, morning television shows so I can get on and, and talk about, I'll come up with an angle like, maybe creative ways to share your photographs. And then I will call up 
um, some of these manufacturers that I met at the trade shows and say, hey, I'm going to be on the CBS early show doing, you know, I'm pitching this particular angle. Would I be able to get some product from you to use on the show? And they're, of course, ecstatic and we'll send you products. So there's your show. And you just need to come up with how you're going to do it and what you're going to say. And then once you're on TV, send out the email blast and everyone gets to see. And they're thinking, wow, man, she's doing stuff. I think I'm going to hire her for blank. So you need to um, proactively put yourself out there. Absolutely. Well, the last question I ask is I ask a photographer to recommend or suggest another photographer for listeners to, to go out and investigate and discover their work. So if for you, who would that be and why? Repeat that question again. I'm sorry. I'm asking uh, if you could suggest another photographer, for another photographer for listeners to discover, to explore, to go check out their website or pick up a book, so they can um, find out more about their and their work. Mm. Who, who would that be? Okay. You know, I um, I love Lorne Resnick. Um, he is a travel photographer and just does beautiful work and. Um, He's very innovative about, you know, how he markets himself. He has a, a newsletter he sends out. He has beautiful books, and he's come up with a way to also sell um, big prints of his images, and he does quite well, and he's just a wonderful person. And I know that he also teaches classes at um, various venues. Palm Springs Photo Festival is coming up. Um, the end of March, and I know he's teaching a class there, and um, let me just make sure I'm spelling his name correctly for you, it's L-O-R-N-E, and his last name is Resnick, R-E-S-N-I-C-K. Okay, great. LaurenResnick.com, so that's, yeah, I think he's pretty wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, it's been fun to, uh, to talk with you today. Well, thanks again for joining me for another episode of the show. If you have any comments or suggestions, email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com or post a message on the blog at thecandidframe.com. Until next time, this is Ivarian X. Perello, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com photocastnetwork.com